the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. Well, I'm hoping you're having a good day on this Monday. Let's see here, September 19th, if you will. 2019. Um, I'm doing all right, and I'm actually glad to be in the Attila Dehan with you for the next couple of hours. Let's see. Um, it was just a couple of days ago on Friday. Yeah, Friday. I had the blessed opportunity to actually perform a wedding, which I, I do a lot like pastors do in the prestigious city of Piedmont, California. It was a Friday afternoon, about 4.30, yep, about 4.35 o'clock at the picturesque community park uh, of Piedmont. If you know anything about that park, it's a phenomenal park. I would definitely recommend that you go there for just the eye candy of the terrain, the the well-kept grass, the lawn, the foliage, uh, and as well as the... The high towering trees and uh, just a wonderful, well-kept, remarkably well-kept walking trail. Piedmont Community Hall is where often events and stuff take place. But the park itself is also just stunning, stunning. Now, this was Friday, just a couple of days ago, as you know. And the weather was exquisite. It was somewhere between 75 and 80 degrees. Per, uh, perfect weather, a little warm for some, but perfect for most of us who uh, are comfortable living near the Mediterranean. And uh, the the um, the post wedding ceremony party was held on the premises outside. That's how beautiful the weather was. And again, the uh, the the scenario, the 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 environment was just filled with all kinds of beautiful uh, things to to look at. It has a tea house on the property that uh, was built many many years ago by the well-to-do in that community. And then it has uh, just, again, different uh, different terrains, mountain-like terrains uh, of, of grass where the, often the, the neighborhood uh, uh, people walk their dogs. But at this time, it was free of all dogs because it was a wedding being held. And so it was a beautiful scenario, beautiful scenario. And I mean, the weather was exquisite till about 9 p.m. that night. And why am I saying all this? Then we have today. I wake up this morning and we've got a level of, of rain precipitation that just basically was a surprise to me. I, you know, I happen to have been in the middle of doing some painting, interior painting in my own home. Um, I, well, I'm in prep right now. I'm getting ready to paint this week. So toward the end of last week, I started taping, doing the border stuff as you as you would do in preparation to lay down some 
some uh, drop cloths and some plastic so I can uh, get at the rolling. And I'm, I'm, I'm as a as a rule, I'm like many people. I I, I get nasty. I get I, you know, keeping paint from uh, going places that it should not just does not happen with me. Uh, including on my body, it's just it seems like I can't just get the roller brush from the paint can to the wall without some kind of intimate relationship between me and the paint occurring. And so uh, I was preparing. I, I said this time around because I want to do some touch of paint. I'm going to take my time, trim everything and lay out everything so I can minimize the loss of paint from the wall to the floor. And uh, so, yeah, I was very confident because the weather just seemed to be Working like we have it here in California, just pristine weather. You know, we just have that as an inheritance, as a as a gift, as a blessing. You know, we just don't we don't have, uh, you know, months on ends of torrents of rain. That's not a bad thing. Certain parts of God's creation must indeed absorb that much precipitation in order to maintain its aesthetic beauty. California does very well with three or four months of rain at its season and therefore blossoms, flourishes and shines in all of its splendor and glory uh, to our benefit and blessing minus the pollen issue. Okay. Well, anyhow, uh, what the reason why the rain was a surprise to me was because yesterday, after a wonderful time of worship and proclamation, and we are dealing with the uh, person and work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think I'm on my fifth message going on my sixth, and there's so much that the Bible has to say about the third person, his his role, his ministry, his impact, his intimacy, his power, him being the uh, full and immediate expression of God's love uh, revealed to his people and then exhibited through his people. Uh, when the Bible says God is love, it carries three-dimensional manifestations. It's God the Father is love as the source of every good and perfect gift. God the Son is love as the grounds upon which that gift ultimately accomplishes a redemptive outcome in the lives of men and women, including reconciliation and recon- uh, restoration back to the Father, which we all need. God is love and that the third person, the Holy Spirit, is the one who opens our eyes and our hearts and our minds to this transcendent love of the Father and this this redeeming love of the Son and brings us into that expression so that God changes us from hateful creatures, which we were, to loving creatures, which he is, so that that love of God manifests itself in us and through us. This is where we are in our series, and it's a it's been a wonderful series, and I'm praying that it does a transformational work in the lives of the members at Grace. If you've never had a a, um, a real healthy dose of biblical teaching around the person and work of the Holy Spirit, you you definitely want to go online and, and follow me, track with me on that series. You can get it at Grace. Uh, dash Bible.com. By the way, if you're a new listener right now and you're traversing the station at 11, uh, on 1100 AM KFAX, uh, and my voice happens to resonate with you because my voice resonates with a certain class of people, we all have different uh, frequency levels in our personality, frequency levels in our projection, and, and, and we attract certain people by our frequency level. And uh, I might be attracting you right now. I happen to be pastor of Grace Bible Church in 
Hey, we're California, and uh, I'm privileged to be a radio host on this Lifeline program, which airs Monday through Friday here, right here uh, on KFAX 1100 AM. The Hun from Tuesday through Friday to lay out different programs that are of essential and um, relevant topics as well. So I get to start off the lineup uh, just basically really trying to draw you into a conversation around issues and matters that uh, that are relevant to you and me. So if you're new to the program, good to have you on with us. And uh, we're, if you don't know it, this program is about dialogue and conversation. And if you want to give me a call, you might do so at one triple eight one eight 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 three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine we take phone calls on relevant issues we address doctrinal issues we address personal challenges struggles as a pastor i will deal in a counseling pastoral format and trying to actually draw your attention to a biblical solution to the issues in your life which is what I love to do. So you are welcome to give me a call at one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. The lines are open. If you guys have a Bible question, if you have um, a concern, if you're dealing with a struggle or a challenge, uh, I'd love to help you with that. But here's what went down. This is amazing. In fact, I'm very glad to be here at this moment because last night after worship, I had a lengthy time with some of my sisters because of an upcoming Daughters of Grace meeting this Saturday. And I'll just kind of put that out to you. But at the, in the second hour, I'll be speaking to one of my beloved sisters for a segment or so on our on our topic this coming Saturday. Uh, the Daughters of Grace meet every couple of months with uh, salient topics, biblical topics, in order to encourage women, uh, women of all ages uh, the minimum age is about seven, eight years old because it's a Titus two program uh, paradigm where the older women speak into the younger women's lives. And this Saturday will be a very compelling, very compelling, very important uh, subject matter for our daughters of grace. And if you are free, you certainly want to uh, try to carve out time this Saturday from uh, about 10 to 12, 1230. We almost always have about 100 women plus who show up on the Saturday morning at about 10 o'clock. And then we, we have a time of worship and then there is a presentation on the topics addressed. And then there's a breakout session where in the breakout, we, we cluster enclave in groups of 10 women here, 10 women there, 10 women there to go into that topic and address it on a personal level. And then for them to get to know each other. And again, we, we have actually categories for our young daughters as well. So if you're a mother with daughters that are teenagers or even as down to seven or eight years old, bring them. They will be blessed by an all women's ministry. They will be blessed by uh, young women who will cater to them at their level, introducing them to the topics that are assigned for that particular uh, conference and uh, and they'll be blessed for it. So we want to encourage you to come on out to Grace Bible Church this Saturday. Ladies, if you aren't doing anything with your daughters or even with your mother, if you're a young lady of a teenage uh, um, age or a young adult and you want to bring your mom, uh, it's always cool to have a sister thing going on. But if you're listening now, make sure you listen in the second hour after six o'clock 
because I will be talking to one of our sisters about our topic because it is such a rich and meaningful and very important topic to deal with. So we were kind of tidying up some of the basic strategies on how we're going to address uh, the gospel in light of women's need uh, for being able to express the love of God in a much more fuller and effective way. Men need it too, but in this context, our sisters are driven to and compelled to want to talk to their sisters about this love of God that I've shared with you. The Father's love as the source, the Son's love as the sacrifice, and the Spirit's love as the expression. That's what we're dealing with. But uh, I leave after having a great time with our sisters around some of that stuff. I head home, and I said, okay, I'm going to stop at a particular hamburger joint that I happen to like. Because they actually fix some really good hamburgers and they use extremely good meat. I got, I had to, I purchased me a Kobe beef burger with cheddar cheese and uh, grilled onions. Headed on home and uh, was tired after a long day of ministry. Almost always happy every Sunday. Thank you, Lord. I just, I love it. I, I thank God for sustained weeks and months and even years of being able to do ministry with minimal conflicts. Most of our churches are dealing with struggles all the time. I deal with pastors frequently, and it just seems like the center of their vision often for their church um, surrounds or comprises trouble. And and I do understand that. I've, I've been pastoring Grace Bible Church for 23 years And I know what trouble is. I know that the Bible was declaring and prophesying and uttering that you got to have all that, particularly for growth. And so like life is filled with trouble. You know that. And you got to have it for growth. But it's a wonderful thing when God allows you to shape men and shape women and engage men and engage women and inspire men and inspire women to serve collaboratively in the spirit of love and zeal for the cause of God's glory in Christ. It's a wonderful thing for a pastor to have that outcome. And I say that with all compassion because I have an article in front of me I'll read a little bit later, why pastors are committing suicide. But what happened was I took my burger, went home, sat down so I can watch the Atlanta-Philadelphia football game, and I ate the burger while watching the game. And about 10 minutes into finishing my burger, it got weird. And I mean weird. Not so weird that I didn't know because a deep part of my conscience said, "Uh uh-oh, here we go again. Hasn't happened a lot in my life. Maybe it's never happened to you, but it has happened to me two or three times in my life. Food poisoning. And I mean, about an hour in, it was on. Anybody know what food poisoning feels like? It's like you gradually develop into a state of preparing to die. I'm like, you go, this can't be happening. Yep, it's happening. Yep, it's happening. I'm warming up. My body's warming up. I'm getting hot. I'm getting hot. I'm getting hot. I'm like, okay. And now all of a sudden I'm starting to ache. I'm going, okay, here go to ache. So, and then all of a sudden I'm getting cold. And so I got to put covers on me. And, and so I, so I want to try to sleep this off, but I really can't sleep because I'm miserable. And that goes on for like seven hours from about 530 until about two o'clock in the morning. Miserable, And then I, I tried to use the bathroom because, you know, whatever it is going inside, that's probably uh, that's that's becoming a problem. You want it out. But no, it's going to hang out till the next day. So uh, I get up on uh, this morning 
And lo and behold, it's raining everywhere. And I've got stuff out on the patio. So not only am I completely depleted of energy and I'm tired and I don't even want to walk upstairs, I got to get stuff off the patio because I put stuff on the patio because I expected it to be sunny and warm and beautiful for, I don't know, an infinite amount of days. Well, that's what you get. That's what you get. Look, I got to take a break. Anyhow, two lines are open. one 367 I'll take your phone calls, your questions, comments, observations. You got any issues, got some challenges. We got tons of them. I'd be glad to uh, engage with you on any of these things. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline with your host, Jesse Gistan. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back at the time, 531 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We've got one line open, one 367 if you want to join the conversation, if you've got something that you want to add to our dialogue, you are welcome to join us. So let me go to line one and talk with Dan in Sonoma. Dan, are you there? Yes, uh, I have an issue in my mind, which... Uh, I have a tendency to believe there was a conspiracy against Epstein and that he was off. Mm-hmm. But in case that he wasn't, I was. you posed a question a couple of weeks ago about why would a person want to commit suicide in prison. And I was wondering if he would be segregated from other members of the population or whether they would pick on abusers. Knowing what he did, it tends to be the low man on the totem pole around a prison population, and I just wonder if either one of those would play into it. Yeah, it could be all three. I mean, you know, logic would say that if one were to one were to assume, and these are assumptions on our part, until the evidence would begin to prove itself. If I made the assumption that uh, uh, Epstein was too uh, much of a liability to remain. Uh, alive and that parties who engaged in the liaison of his uh, filthy lifestyle of, uh, of, you know, sexualizing young girls and engaging in a whole ring of, uh, uh, you know, just unprincipled behavior that included judges and lawyers and powerful, wealthy people and ex-presidents and all of that, because that's the world that you and I live in, our biblical worldview, uh, clearly accepts and recognizes that 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 perverse community of which Paul said we should not even speak of explicitly. Uh, but when once that individual is accosted, we have to think about a couple, two or three things. One is that we have to think about the um, the state of that individual uh, when once he is caught uh, as to how he's going to be impacted emotionally and psychologically. You know, he, he he's 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 won many cases before many attempts have been uh, uh, tried to try to, you know, catch him in his in his behavior. Being a multimillionaire and ultimately a billionaire, he's been able to escape through the powers of a corrupt court system. This time he wasn't able to escape, as the Bible would so clearly uh, indicate, be sure your sins will spy you out. It's completely within plausibility for you and me or anyone else to know that once he is in solitary confinement, and this is the second point that I um, have already heard about that I think you also know, that when they put him into the particular place of incarceration that he was at, 
uh, they did isolate him so that he spent very little time engaging with pub with the public. Uh, I'm not I'm not you know, I'm not affirming or um, advocating any um, sympathy uh, at this point, given what he did uh, as if somehow, you know, spending a few hours or a few days uh, in solitary confinement uh, without seeing people merits him killing himself. But if he were really struggling emotionally with the fact that he just got caught, well, you know, there goes Judas Iscariot. As you know, uh, we could have easily said to Judas Iscariot, there were a dozen different things, Judas, you could have done besides just go out and hang yourself. But within the secret sanctum of a person's conscience, uh, damn, one cannot uh, you know, quite quite surmise why an individual would not take another route out besides suicide. However, like you also stated, it is true as a rule, and this would be so particularly in uh, your common prisons <clears throat> like Folsom and some of the other prisons we have throughout California and the, the nation where men who have engaged in uh, – uh, sexual activity with, with, with children, uh, and I'm not so sure they were so little of a children. I think mostly he dealt with teenagers, but I wouldn't doubt that he dealt he engaged in some kind of felicitation of, of smaller children because this is a big problem that the world has yet to face, particularly with people in high power, uh, the molestation and sexual abuse of really, really young children. It's a massive issue. Uh, but but it, it would be completely logical to me that given uh, the liability that he raises, because what a court system will do is they will incarcerate you. They don't just throw away the key and walk. They begin to actually find ways to use you as an informant and begin to draw out of you data and information. And they will use every form of psychological technique to break you down until that begins to occur. And, uh, uh, you know, here you are with the option of uh, of of uh, holding your peace and and holding your integrity like, you know, like a, a gang member and not saying anything. Just do your time. And yet uh, apparently. Uh, either they came on in and took care of him. As you know, the the basic information was that the guards on duty were not watching him. And uh, and so all these scenarios uh, make a lot of sense in terms of his ultimate demise being that he died way before he could be useful in the unpacking uh, of his his longstanding uh, evil practices so that we could clean up not only, uh, you know, what he did personally, but its impact everywhere else. So I, I, I think these are valid considerations that you're talking about. I think they're all valid. I think it could all have been, uh, uh, I, I think all three of them could be working in a concerted way. Well, I want to be the instructed, so that's all I had to say, you know, so thank you very much. Right, right. Thank you for the call, my brother. Let me see here. Let me go to Faye in Oakland. Faye in Oakland, are you there? Thank you very much. Right, right. Thank you for the call, my brother. Let me see here. Let okay, me go to Faye, Faye you're going to have to cut your phone off if you're going to talk to me. Faye, are you there? Okay. I am here. How are you? I'm good. How can I help you? Um, I, I am a woman in my mid fifties and all of my life, I, my mom raised me in the church Mm -hmm. and so, and in the Lord and there's, since I was a little girl, I would always give, 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 um, take care of people. And now 
Um, I'm almost 60 years of age, and I give of my finances, I give of my time, I give of my energy. I have a homeless person staying with me now. I let people borrow my vehicle, and consequently, I am out of out of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And I know the Bible says, be not weary of well-doing, for you shall reap if you faint not. Mm-hmm. But I am just really tired, and I'm wondering, is there like, like how can I distinguish distinguish from the biblical, when it talks about in the Bible, well-doing from me giving and doing and just going overboard. Do you you know what I mean? I do. I do. Oh, God, I'm just so tired. Mm -hmm. I just don't ever feel like I'm being restored or or replenished. Right. Um, What's interesting about your, 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 your particular dilemma, in my opinion, is that it's probably the consequence of uh, a, a little bit of a lack of discernment and uh, a bit of a lack of support in the process. Let me see if I can frame this uh, in a way that would make sense. Um, when we are helping people, our motive has to be right and our aim or end for helping them has to be right as well, or else our efforts will end up being dissipated in a way that does not bring about edification to them, us, or the glory of God. In other words, when the Bible says give, it doesn't just say give indiscriminately, give uh, carelessly, give senselessly. And therefore, whatever we do, we have to do with an understanding. Now, God will let you and I uh, learn from experience what it means to give, what it means to give wrong, what it means to give in a right way, what it means to give wisely, what it means, as as Solomon said, what, there's a time to embrace and there's a time not to embrace. There's a time to love and there's a time to hate. And all of these fundamentals, Ecclesiastes 3, by the way, all of these fundamentals have to be employed in knowing how to maintain a loving disposition is so interesting because that's, that's what we're working on in our Saturday DOG, Daughters of Grace, Bay, um, the encouragement that God gives us to walk in love because perfect love casts out fear. And what I see happening with you right now is that a, a demonstration of love over the long time has brought about a weariness to you that can lead to other maladies like depression and anxiety and reluctance and a, and a minimizing of your faith and a diminishing of your love. And that will impact you for the long term if you don't work these things through. Let me ask, hold on for a second. Now, are we up against the break or do I, I'm good for five minutes? All right, great. I'm talking to my board op. Um, I would. I remember years ago when when God first saved me, and uh, I re- I read the verses in Matthew five. I read the verses in Luke six, and I understood that I was supposed to be a cheerful giver. And uh, you and I know that there is never a want in our society for people who are in need. There's always somebody needing something. And so I would give to my neighbor who lived right upstairs from me because I guess he thought I had something to give. And every couple of days he was asking for a few dollars and I would give it to them, give it to him in the name of Jesus. And I was working at just above minimum wages at that time, being a very young man. And so really didn't have a lot to give. But the next thing I knew, Faye, is that I was in a relationship with this man where the only thing that mattered was when we talked for more than one minute, do you have a couple dollars to spare? 
And I remember after doing it two or three times in the name of Jesus, happily and gladly, that I began to be uh, disturbed in my mind and heart around what seemed to be, to me at the moment, an opportunity for him to take advantage of me. You do know what I'm talking about, right? I do. Of course. And so and so after after a while, I struggled through. Is this right, Lord? Is it does he just have the freedom to come to me, ask for it? And I just keep giving it to him. Keep, keep, keep giving it to him. And then I realized that he was an alcoholic and that, you know, he just needed a drink. And he had found someone to whom he could ask for money without accountability. So here is where the error in our relationship was, Faye. The error in our relationship was that I was not being evangelical. I was simply being kind without it having an aim to lead towards the betterment of his life or the salvation of his soul. It was almost like if I just give him the money, then God would come in some other kind of way and and bring him the gospel. But in reality, all that we do is designed to either be a platform or a premise for reaching people for Christ. And what I didn't realize is that I was simply aiding and abetting his destructive lifestyle. And God never tells us to do that. And then, lo and behold, as I continued to voraciously study the Bible, I discovered Second Thessalonians, which said, if a man doesn't eat and if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. That you you don't just give people money carelessly who could actually go out and work for themselves. And he was young enough to be able to do that. He was young enough and healthy enough to be able to work like I was working. And so you have to, one has to put together biblical principles, an imperative to give, but also an imperative to give wisely. Uh, and so as I got older and, and began to learn more about the Bible and the priority of giving, the purpose of giving, the premise of giving, then I was able to determine that my giving has to always be first led by the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit. I've talked about this many times. It has to be led by the Spirit of God, not by emotions. I do want to say that in our culture where we are so uh, prolifically prosperous that the greater sin that we are committing is indeed covetousness and is indeed hoarding and is indeed selfishness. That is largely what we do. So I commend you, Faye, for being a woman who has spent most of her time giving. But I think that I would ask you, have you developed a body of women with whom you could have had conversations about this pattern in your life of giving that has frequently led to you being depleted, whether financially, whether circumstantially, or whether, um, uh, you know, spiritually. Have you had wise women, godly women, to be able to speak into your life from the different angles of being able to view you and the situation so as to achieve what the proverb calls uh, safety? In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Have you had that? You know, it's funny that you should mention that. I mean, I, I do, and like my birthday is coming up in a couple of days. And I am going to prepare dinner for the wise women of God that I have in my life so we can come together mm-hmm. and I can be restored and can be replenished and can, you know, share this with them. You know, um, I am a Christian and mm-hmm. I love the Lord. And, and you know, it's, it's 
you know, I, I, I want to change that. Like the person that, uh, that I'm speaking of is, is a, is a male. I have absolutely no interest, romantic interest in whatsoever, but it just so happens that he became homeless and, uh, it's just, it's a long explanation, but he ended up at my house. And so now what is, was supposed to be a couple of months in two weeks will be a year. Mm-hmm. That's too long. Yeah. Here, here's your challenge. I, 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 do, have you ever been to any of our daughter of grace classes? No, but I need to. You really do. Okay. Like yesterday. Okay. Like you need to come out Saturday if you can be there. And then Saturday is when I'm having the women's function. At uh, what time? With, with the women. But um, we're going to be meeting from 3 o'clock until well, we're, We start at 10 o'clock in the morning. 10 o'clock in the morning? 10 to 12. Okay. 10 to 12. You just come and then is leave. every Saturday? Nope. It's only once every couple months. Oh, my gosh. You're kidding. Okay. See now, yeah, this this is gonna, this is going to be a test for you, and I'll I'll share with you why, uh, because a lot of times it, our character is really what's in view in terms of maturing in areas that God is actually nudging us to mature in. A lot of times we know deep down inside that we need to mature, but the maturity is going to require soundness of mind, and soundness of mind is the consequence of God speaking into our lives. We don't just become sound in our mind just by, you know, by, by, by kind of osmosis. For men and women, and this is Titus 2.5, that we are to teach the women that they would be sober-minded, sound in their mind, so that we can make right decisions. I can tell you right now that your issue is about boundaries. Your issue is about limitations. I wish I had more time to talk to you, but if you were able to make it out, you would be able to be part of a breakout group where some of this could be talked about uh, because that's what you need. You need to be delivered from a lack of boundary in many areas. A year for him to be there is wrong. Like if you were in a a church community where, where there is a healthy representation of males, uh, then that brother needs to be with some men. Uh, versus being with you. And that, that becomes a whole nother topic as well, because a lot of times we're doing this Lone Ranger Christian thing and and, and it can get us into trouble. I, you know what? I have to take a hard break. Your topic is so salient, so important. Do you know where we are in, in Hayward? No, but I will find it there because I, I feel in my spirit that I really do need to be there. If you can, if, if you can listen, if you can listen to the second segment in our program, uh, where I'll be talking with one of our uh, leading women, our senior women in that ministry, uh, the Lord may say something to you. Bless you, Faith. I got to take a hard break. Got two lines open: one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. The time is 554 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I've got three lines open. one 367 one if you're still listening, I want to give you a passage to meditate on. It may not seem relevant, but at some point it will metabolize and begin to develop some relevancy for you. And this would apply to everyone that's struggling with Um, expressing the love of God as a manifestation of the love of God in us in a context in which you can be taken advantage of, that you can be uh, abused, that you can be, uh, that you can be taken advantage of, that you can be uh, 
harmed by if you're not careful. The Apostle Paul said this to Timothy, who was a young man who struggled with levels of uh, um, timidity, okay? And, And we can have that for many different reasons. We can be timid. But timidity often is an indication of certain weaknesses and, and gaps in our in our understanding of the power of God's grace in our life and the application of that grace in given situations. He said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now that triad there, power, dunamis, dynamis, and of love, that's uh, agape, agape. And then of a sound mind, that particular term there refers to a mind that is fully informed. You take those three, a spirit of uh, fearlessness. That is, you're not operating out of uh, fear, flight mode, or even fight mode. It's the spirit of love dominating, but of love, love. And love is always disposition to give. It's always disposition to give. And it's not always a monetary giving. Sometimes it's the giving of time. Sometimes it's the giving of our thoughts and attitudes and, and, our, and, our, and our attention to a particular thing that becomes important to us or, or maybe not important to us as much as it is to God, but God wants us to focus in on it. And really, it's in the context of things that really require a counterintuitive uh, attitude, meaning that when God gives us the spirit of love and the spirit of power and the spirit of a sound mind, it means that he has grown us up, matured us in Christ in a way that we can take on assignments that are not in our own personal best interest. But nevertheless, in dealing with those assignments, we can deal with them competently. This is it's one thing to say, I'll do it, Lord, I'll do it, Lord, I'll do it, Lord, and then run in there and find out that you may not be as competent as you should. So the spirit that God gives us, and this is where I'm teaching on the third person in our church, a 15-part series, the spirit that God gives us is a spirit that is able to actually build us up and equip us to actually do things over against our natural selfishness, but also with the outcome-based objective of helping the people for real in a redemptive way, in a productive way with whom we help. At least the outcome of it will be that God is glorified. So this is a text that you want to meditate on, Faith. The Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Dunamis. That is an availability of his power, his divine power to move us out into end of love an expression of giving that is rooted in a sound mind that's based upon a comprehensive understanding through the counsel of God's word and the experience of God's people that makes sure that the outcome of our actions don't hurt us, dishonor God, and ultimately does not help the person with whom we are engaging. I hope that helps. Let me go to line number four and talk with Ellen on line number four. Ellen, are you there? I hope that helps. Let me go to line number four and talk with Ellen on line. Everybody's listening to me. It didn't have to run all the way down the hallway from where the radio is and then pick up the phone. Ellen, are you there? 
I certainly am. Okay, how are you? Well, I have a, a, a very concern. It seems to be uh, a lot of us ladies listening need to go to this conference that you're having. Um, I'm going to be as fast and concise as I can be. Mm -hmm. A little tricky. Mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine who just seems to revel in the idea of telling me every kind of bad news about a pastor or try to bring me away from Christianity mm -hmm. told me a story about a very famous, I'm not going to mention names, a famous pastor, a well, brilliant, brilliant pastor. I uh, respect him, adore him, what I, what I know of him, mm -hmm. had his Bible for years. Anyway, I'm going to just put it in a hypothetical way, and, okay. and I really would appreciate an answer because it's been heavy on my heart. Sure. Um, I've, I've been victimized. Oh, well, I don't want to get into my personal thing, but anyway, it, there's a personal feeling. I need to go to this conference. You do. You do, I, Ellen, I, from the standpoint of, because I can hear that there you are dealing with a couple, two or three, four, five things at once, but it's centered in a particular question that I certainly can answer. But I, if you if you listen to the other segment, we'll be turning the corner after I break with you, and I'll be talking with one of our I sisters know, at the I'm bottom. I'm really looking forward right. to that. And if you can make it out, come on out. Yeah, well, let me let me just lay it out for you, sure. and if, if you can, I really would appreciate it. I have to I'm try to stay calm here. Absolutely. Um, hypothetically, mm -hmm. uh, you're, there's a seminary school. Mm -hmm. You have a, a male, a young man, and a young woman. Mm -hmm. The young woman is a very attractive woman, apparently. Um, and now I look this up online. I don't believe what I hear online, and so my friend, and that's not the point. So forget any reality. Okay, she's very attractive. Apparently, she dresses in. She's not the most modest dresser. Um, she's a seminary student, um, and maybe she dances in a provocative way. I don't think there was any, and not like Potiphar's wife, she didn't say, let's go to bed. Um, but this young man found her to be very appealing, and apparently there were somewhere he slipped her a date rape drug. Now, that's a willful act. It's not like they were maybe started making out, sure. and then she sure. said, you know, hey. And then, now apparently... And so, again, hypothetically, this very well-known pastor who's the chancellor of this seminary says, well, she forced him to make him stumble. She went to the police. There was no action. She forced him uh, to make, she made him stumble. She should apologize. I think it was even thought that maybe she should marry him since they had sex. And, um, and she, was, she was asked to leave the, the seminary. He was not. So this was very, like, freaked me out because... Um, now, but then I thought, because I admire this this pastor so much, maybe biblically, there's something, some orthodox. What he's saying, uh, there's some shred biblically. Now, legally, obviously, you can't. There's no there's no mitigation. And well, she was sexy, so I, I couldn't help myself. That's not going to fly in a court of law if you rape a woman. Right. But maybe biblically, you can hear I'm very upset. Uh, biblically. Because I admire this guy. I find it hard to believe that he would say, oh, she made him stumble. She's out. He's in. Uh, and, and somehow defending him when, as I, uh, I don't want to read it, so I don't have to explain it. Mm -hmm. so, so my question is, is there any, now I know even in this world, there are honor killings. Some girls are killed if they're uh, raped. Um, so I don't know if there's some uh, uh, biblical, if, is the temp temptress, quote-unquote, and her only, the only way she tempted him was the fact she was very attractive and maybe showed a little too much mm -hmm. and danced in a certain way. Mm -hmm. But is there some... Uh, some uh, is, uh, did she do something equally wrong 
with what he did. Not it's with not with all that you gave me, and, and they would have to. You, let's, we're dealing with it within the framework of a hypothetical, and I got everything that you said. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and then I'm going to come back on the other side of the break and take this hypothetical and structure it in a way that we can all learn from it because this is repeated every day of the year, something like every seven to 10 seconds somewhere on planet earth, some woman is being raped um, or molested um, uh, against her will all over the planet. This is one of the other horrible realities of our fallen nature. Um, The way you framed it, you're asking the question, is there any kind of theological or spiritual justification for what he did as per the chancellor? And I'll just let you know, just in case Providence cut the line off for us. No, no. In my old days, I would say, hell no. Anyhow, I'm going to take a break and then we'll come back and you and I can work this through. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan. Very, very important topics. Uh, the number is one 367 one We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 